Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Jesus left there and went along uh, the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a, on, a mountainous, on a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people uh, were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they praised the, Lord, the God of Israel. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want, them, I do not want to send them away hungry, or they may collapse on the way. His disciples answered, Where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and they in turn to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was 4,000 men, beside women and children. After Jesus had sent the crowd away, he got into the boat and went to the vicinity of Magadan. Thank you, John. It's going to not drop my phone, which would be great. Let me shift some things this way. Hello, everybody. My name's Ethan. I'm one of the pastors here at Sora Bible Church. I'm also Louise's son. You saw Louise earlier. She is excellent. Uh, one of the things I would recommend doing tonight is talking to her and asking her about those life hacks. Uh, one of them, her most to do with Tupperware. So ask about the Tupperware life hack. That has nothing to do with anything I'm about to say, just I thought I'd chuck that out there. Um, <laughs> what I'm going to do is I'm going to be a little weird here, and I'm going to redo another Bible reading on top of that. Now, I chatted to John before, and John commented that it's like I'm doing like mo a, a whole bunch of stories in this same thing, and I'm just going to add to that, because why not? Let's, let's, let's add to that here. So if you're following along um, in your Bibles, flick back a chapter to Matthew 14, starting at verse 13. I'm going to start reading now. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. 
Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those children who ate, those, those who ate uh, was about 5,000 men, besides women and children. I'm going to pray now, uh, and then I'm going to jump straight in. Uh, Heavenly Father, please give us discernment as we dive into this passage together. Help me to speak clearly, and may you reveal your your word to us through your spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, why did I just read the same thing that John read, but a chapter earlier? It's pretty much the same story, isn't it? I mean, Jesus feeding the 5,000, it's actually, it's a really excellent story. It's something that, um, I don't know if you knew, but it's the only miracle recorded in all four of the Gospels. And that other one that, that John read, the feeding the 4,000, is recorded in, mo- in both Matthew and Mark. So two out of the four Gospels went, including two of these stories, is really important. So I want to look at why. Because they're, they're pretty similar. Uh, they're, yeah, we get it, they're separate events, but they look pretty much the same. But they are different, and it is important to know why they're different. Uh, I think, (laughs) I tried this last night, let's see how it goes. I think that this whole situation is like a spot the difference. Now, I don't don't know about you guys, there's a a spot the difference up on the screen. I don't know about you guys, but I'm more of it, like some people might be like phonetic crossword people and some people are Sudoku people. I think my level is is at spot the differences. Um, So, my question for you guys and for the people online, can you guys just, just shout out, uh, and online, chuck in the comments, uh, can you shout out just things you see that are differences? Why not? Flowers, yes. The hands. The clouds. We're on four. The hands. The smile. That's six. Okay, so we've got six out of, fa- out of five. No, I... <laughs> I knew, yep, the, uh, Ray has found the branch, which is excellent on Facebook at the moment. Um, what I think is really excellent about this is it's, is it's a little indicative of this, the story we just read. Because, not that the Bible lies to you, but this thing lied to me. I got up last night and was like, this is going to be excellent. I found five differences. Everyone else is going to find five. And then we got 12. <laughs> and we're like, sick. It's... All I, all I really want to say there is that maybe spot the differences are a little deeper than you first thought. Um, take that as you will. Um, but I do, want to, I do want to do a proper, actually deep thing now and do a spot the difference between the two Bible readings tonight. The Jesus feeding the 5,000 and Jesus re- feeding the 4,000. So I'm going to run through our main reading tonight uh, and do the comparisons. The comparison is going to come up on the screen. Uh, so the first comparison is the location. Now the location uh, we see in Matthew 14, uh, he's withdrawn from, uh, from the boat, on a boat to a solitary place. 
and that solitary place is still around, if you read the chapters around there, he's in Jerusalem and he's hanging out in the areas around there. But by the time we get to Matthew 15, earlier on in verse 21, it said that he's left there and he's ended up uh, in the region of Tyre and Sidon. Uh, Alright, so that's one difference. The next difference is the food. So the actual food he has, he's got, in Matthew 14, there's only five loaves of bread and two fish. Uh, and in Matthew 15, from verse 34, uh, there is seven loaves of bread and a few fish. Uh, and then the next one is the baskets. The baskets are the other difference. In Matthew 14, uh, it's actually really cool if, you read these two, if you're reading these two now on the screen. They are almost word for word. But the difference is there's seven basketfuls in Matthew 15 and 12 basketfuls in Matthew 14. And last but not least, there's the number of people is different. There's 4,000 at one and 5,000 at the other. So why is any of that important? Well, I can get really specific, and I'll do that really quick, uh, and look at the numbers, for example. So if we go to the next slide, we see that in the 5,000, Jesus takes five loaves of bread. Now, that's reminiscent of the five books of the Jewish law. We've got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Whereas in the 4,000, he takes seven. And throughout the whole Bible, seven is a number that symbolizes completion or perfection. For example, the seven days of creation, or another New Testament example in Matthew is uh, Matthew 18, when Peter asked Jesus, how many times are we to forgive one another? And Jesus turns to him and goes, 70 times seven times. And that's not him saying, here's the number. It's him saying, you need to do it until, some, until you have a perfect forgiveness, until the forgiveness is complete. Now, there's heaps more examples of seven symbolizing completion and perfection, so I'm just going to move on and move on to the 12 baskets. Let's look at the baskets. There's 12 baskets in Matthew 14, uh, and we look at them. They can symbolize the 12 tribes of Israel uh, versus the seven baskets, which is repeating that idea of completion. Now, they're cool, fun facts that go with these miracles. But they are only worth mentioning and understanding if we understand the most important difference The most important difference is who he's talking to. The 4,000 is a completely different group of people. He's talking to Gentiles. And the 5,000 are Israelites. Now this is revealed, so let's let's look at who Jesus is talking to. Now that's revealed in the first difference I talked about, which is location. Uh, The initial reading started a little earlier. So John's reading had a little little story about Jesus' interaction with a woman, uh, start a little earlier for a few reasons. Reason number one is that story gives us a really good idea of the location. Uh, if you've got your Bibles open, flick back to Matthew 15, 21, which says, and it should be on the screen, is, uh, leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Tyre and Sidon are cities that still exist today. They are a part of the country of Lebanon at the moment. Uh, we first see them... S- see them mentioned in the Old Testament uh, as part of the land of Canaan. Now, if you remember from the last sermon series we did, we looked at Joshua, and a part of Joshua was they, was, they were supposed to go get... Uh, uh, Israel, Israelites were religiously intended to possess this land. However, they never did. And so, as afterwards, all through the rest of the Old Testament, 
the people of Tyre and Sidon, who uh, at this point uh, are called, what's the word, Phoenicians, which is just where they're from, uh, they were at odds with the Israelites. Um, the Phoenicians were associated with some of the darkest days of Israel's history, to the point where in Ezekiel, uh, some scholars have argued that Ezekiel even uses the king of Tyre to describe the devil himself. So this is a big deal. And Jesus going over and chatting to those people, that was unheard of. Uh, if you were struggling to follow some of the history there, something that was really helpful last night was Greaves took aside the year seven and eight boys and said, boys, Jesus going and doing this is like you going into the girls' bathrooms. It's not okay. And I thought that was very funny. Um, because it's not. It's not okay. And so the people, the society, looked at Jesus going and talking to these people and was like, this is not okay. But when a Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to Jesus crying out uh, from verse 22, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus' response to that woman was almost exactly what everyone at the time expected. Almost, almost exactly what everyone expected. The disciples, so if you, it'll, it'll, this will be on the screen, the disciples try and send her away and Jesus says from verse 24, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him after he said that and says, Lord, help. Lord, help me. And he replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. It's a bit intense. But her reply to that is, Lord, yes it is. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And Jesus hears that and it seems that he changes his mind? That's not the case. But Jesus sees that and says, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And the lady's daughter was healed at that moment. This can be a really jarring interaction uh, for many people, especially uh, Christians reading this, especially at the outset, for we don't seem to see Jesus' trademark compassion here, do we? There's a few ways of reading this interaction, so I want to address two of those real quick, so we don't get too confused by how weird this all is. Uh, the first of those uh, I'm just going to do them both in quotes from different people that I've read. The first of those is from Frederick Dale Brunner, which will come up on the screen. And it goes like this. The Canaanite is an aggressive single parent who here defies cultural taboos and acts to free Jesus from his sexism and racism by catching him in a bad mood or with his compassion down, besting him in an argument and herself becoming the vehicle of his, of Jesus' liberation and the deliverance of her daughter. Now, I don't personally think that that is the correct way of looking at this passage, but it is very easy to read this passage in that way. I think another way of reading it, and I think a better way of reading it, is uh, from New Testament scholar D.A. Carson, who says it better than I. He says, it, it should also be on the screen, yep, uh, she does not phrase her answer, the lady does not phrase her answer as a counterstroke 
but as a profound acquiescence. That's a, I think that's how you pronounce it. As a profound acquiescence. With the further implication of dogs, she does not argue that her needs make her an exception or that she has a right to Israel's covenant mercies or that the mysterious ways of divine election and justice are unfair, she abandons mentions of Jesus as son of David and simply asks for help. And she is confident that even if she is not entitled to sit down as a guest at the Messiah's table, Gentile dog that she is, yet at least she may be allowed to receive a crumb from the uncovenanted mercies of God. That's a big paragraph. But she responds like this. She responds with humility and faith and says, Jesus, I am not worthy and I don't deserve this. But please help. And he turns to her and says, woman, I got you. Because woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted and her daughter was healed at that moment. It's a pretty amazing thing to happen. Not only is it amazing that, that this woman came with her with the most humility possible and came, uh, yeah, in that sense, but also that Jesus was talking to someone that by all accounts wasn't supposed to get that same treatment. And then Jesus walks on from there and does something amazing. He did what I spent the first portion of this sermon talking about. He repeated a miracle that he had already done for the Jews and did it for the Gentiles. The people just described as dogs. The similarities in this spot the difference are just as important as the differences. So really quickly, I won't read them, but they'll come up on the screen just nice and speedily. Uh, but the verse comparisons will come up on the screen. So firstly, these people are following Jesus in both 14 and 15. Secondly, Jesus, his response to these people is he heals them in both 14 and 15. And then Jesus breaks bread for them and he provides for their needs in both 14 and 15. And this is where the numbers come back into play. That seven that is occurring throughout the feeding of the 4,000 Gentiles, it shows that this miracle is an example of a completion. This is part of the completion, the fulfillment of God's promises to Abraham. Uh, he says in Genesis 12 that Israel was to be a blessing to all the families on earth and Jesus here is saying, hey, all 4,000 of you, welcome to the family. There is so much more to talk about in this passage. I could, like, I had to stop myself at this point because I, I could just unpack all this other really cool stuff. It's a little bit like that bear photo at the start. Like stopping at five or we stopped at six is probably the best way to go, but it's deeper. <laughs> I don't know if it's that similar, but it's deeper. Um, because every time you look at this passage, you fall deeper into the amazing reality of this passage. But to finish, I want to talk about what on earth this all means for us. We are the 4,000. 
We're not Canaanites uh, living on the Sea of Galilee, but we've been given bread. Uh, John 6, verse 35, has Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. We have Jesus who broke himself on a cross so that we Gentiles, who are just the non-Jews, can be a part of God's chosen people, God's chosen family. Ephesians 2.19 confirms this. He says, um, so now you Gentiles, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's people. You are members of God's family. And it goes on in chapter 3, verse 6, and it says, and this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. For both the 5,000 Jews and the 4,000 Gentiles or the people in this room or the people in the room out there or the people on the internet or the people in Kiriwe, or the people in Westride, or the people in Japan right now. It's about your response to Jesus, because it is for you. It's about how you respond to that. And we read earlier tonight that your response has to be, our response has to be like the Canaanite woman's response. We need to realise that we are not entitled to sit down as guests at the Messiah's table. And we need to realise that it is a gift to receive a crumb of the uncovered mercies of God that we get. Because when we put our faith in Him, we don't just receive crumbs. We receive it all. He goes to that 4,000, he says, welcome to the family. And he says to you and me, welcome to the family. Because we can share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. If you are already a Christian here today, hopefully you have already come to that amazing realisation that that's what you're getting. This beautiful riches and blessings of God here and into eternity. And if you're not, think about how awesome that is. It's pretty spectacular. And if you're not, I'd love you to consider being a part of this family because that message is for you too. But if you are already a Christian here today and you've already come to that realisation, what do you do next? Well, we're encouraged today, it's a weird turn of phrase, but we're encouraged here today to feed on Jesus. He breaks bread in Matthew 26, 26, and he says, take and eat, for this is my body. At Solis, we talk a lot about food. <laughs> we spend a lot of time eating together because we think that eating food together is really, really important. And it's something we're going to do now. Uh, for Sunday morning, they would have already done that. For Friday night, they would do it afterwards. For Sunday Arvo, they do it afterwards. We're eating all the time. And it's not just because we like food 
that we do like food. I'm very excited because apparently there's butter chicken happening tonight. Very keen. But it's because we know that everyone is welcome to the table. It doesn't matter where you're from or what you look like or what your education is or what your tribe is or what interests you have. We eat physically together because dinner isn't just eating butter chicken and having a laugh. Dinner is about getting help. Getting help to feed on Jesus together. Another example is what Quinn was chatting about before. And one of the reasons we sat next to each other and turned and prayed together. This whole Commitments Week thing, if you haven't heard about it before, uh, it's described in better detail than I will be able to do it in the newsletter, but Quinn described it really well too. Um, Commitments Week is a week of us as a church trying to figure out how to feed on Jesus together. It's a new idea that helps us as Christians at Soul Revival to grow in discipleship and mission together. At each of our gatherings, we're going to have that special time of prayer together, uh, where we will be encouraged to pray for a friend who is a Christian uh, and for a friend who is not a Christian. And when we do that prayer, we're encouraged to do that for the rest of the week. Keep praying for the person you just prayed for. And keep praying for the person the other person just prayed for. But this Commitments Week thing, it isn't just stopping there. Because during the week, uh, one of the things we're doing is we're getting our, um, a bunch of our young people to, go, to join a Bible study with some of the older members of our church. Um, so that's a really cool little example of it. Um, we're also encouraging people, like Quinn said before, she held up the book, we're encouraging people to um, meet with someone. Meet with someone this week and read through the Commitments book. Because the Commitments book is all about how do I be a committed Christian? And what we're encouraged to do alongside that is to go grab someone this week and read the Bible with them. Now, the reason I'm sprucing this is not because it's a thing that we're doing at church. It's actually because I really want to encourage you to do these things. Because these things are feeding on Jesus. These things are spending time with each other and spending time in God's Word. We're loving God and we're loving others and that's all we're commanded to do. So let's try and start tonight at dinner. Let's try and have some really intentional chats to grow in our discipleship and mission. Let's do it over dinner and let's do it this week. If you're online, uh, you might not be able to do it in person with someone tonight. But we're trying to do this for everyone because it's not just about tonight. It's about all week. It's about all of life. So find someone if you're online. It'd be awesome to find someone and read the Bible with them. Or if you have a copy of the book, go through the book with them. Because what we're trying to do is we're trying to grow together. Because it doesn't matter who you are, but it matters that Jesus died for each and every one of us. And it's that we respond in faith to that reality that matters. So, my prayer for us tonight is that we can respond in faith and that we can feed on Jesus, on, feed on his word with his family that he has invited us so gloriously into, so generously into. Isn't that an amazing reality?
I'm going to pray, uh, and then Nizaz will come back. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for its deep complexity, yet its beautiful simplicity. The solid and true good news that all we need to do is believe in you. Lord, I pray that you show us what that looks like this week as we strive to grow as disciples and grow in our mission to everyone and anyone around us. Amen. If you are already a Christian here today, hopefully you have already come to that amazing testimony. That's what you're here for. spend a lot of time eating together because we think that eating food together is really, really important. And it's something we're going to do now. Uh, Sunday morning, they would have already done that. Friday night, they would do it afterwards. Or Sunday, Arvo, they do it afterwards. You're eating all the time. And it's not just the food. You like food. You like food. I'm very excited. I think it's edible. Very excited. But it's the business model.
we get to join a Bible study with some of the older members of our church. Um, so that's a really cool little example of it. Um, we're also encouraging people to pop into the course. We have a book. We're encouraging people to um, list with someone. List with someone this week and read through the commitment book. Because the, the commitment book is all about how do I be a committed Christian? And what we're encouraged to do alongside that is to go, grab someone this week, read the Bible with them. Now, the reason I'm pushing this is not because it's a thing that we do as a church. It's actually because I really want to encourage you to do this. Because these things are feeding our people. These things are spending time with each other and spending time in God's Word. We're loving God and we're loving others by that. All will be benefited. So let's try and start marking that bit up. Let's try and have some really intentional time to grow in that trust with each other. Let's do it over dinner. Let's do it in a group. If you're online, uh, you might not be able to do it in person with someone else. But we're trying to do this casually. It's not just about Sunday. It's about all week. It's about all of life. So find someone if you're online. It'd be awesome to find someone and read the Bible with them. Or if you have a copy of the book, go through the book with them. Because what we're trying to do is we're trying to grow together. Because it doesn't matter who you are, what it matters is we decide that we care about each other. And so we respond in faith to that care. So, my prayer for us today is that we just Show us what that looks like this week as we strive to grow in faith.